word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Amen. So you can be seated. It's pretty simple. Um, it, it has taken mankind a long time to change and edit and tear out pages of the Bible and fix things the way we'd like them to be. But the Word of God is true. It doesn't change. And God doesn't change in Malachi. He says, I am a God that changes not. And uh, sometimes we'd like him to change his mind about some things, but his word is forever settled, it says in Psalm 119. So we can trust it, we can count on it, and uh, everything that, that God has promised in his word belongs to his people. Everything. And there are, there are no exceptions. Your, your goodness or badness does not change the word of God. It's a, a covenant. Everybody say covenant. That God has made with his people. He made an old covenant. And, and we discussed that in some of our teachings. And he made a new covenant. Everybody say, I'm under the new covenant. Now the new covenant we talked about was established really because of the blood that Jesus shed on Calvary. We would not have a covenant if Jesus had not shed his blood. And tonight I don't have time to go back over all the other lessons. But um, I do want to just review a little bit. And uh, the first lesson that we talked about was Jesus came to change our address. In other words, we moved. We moved out of the world and into the kingdom of God when we were born again. And uh, 1 Peter 2.9 was the first scripture that we looked at. And it talks about how you... Turn your name and say, this is about you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's how we started this series, that we have been translated by God out of darkness into light. And it happens the moment we're saved. Now, do we have the full revelation of what we have? No. I, I mean, I'm still gaining revelation of what I have. How many of you are still growing in your knowledge and understanding of the Word of God? But it's not going to be provided again for. It's in us. Say, it's in me. See, the revelation is in us. It's just sometimes the Holy Spirit is giving us more and more revelation as we walk through life. Jesus died once and for all. You know, he's not going to go back to Calvary because, you know, we need something more. Say, I already have it. It's in us, and we're going to talk about that tonight. God released a river of life through Jesus into his people, and we walk in the presence of God. There's a river of life that's flowing out of us. So uh, John 3, 3, we talked about being born again. John 17, 14, that we're no longer of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. How many of you have been called different by your relatives? Maybe worse things than that. But because you're born again, you know, they think you're weird. They think you act holier than thou. You know, have you ever heard anybody said, that? you know, who are you anyway? Well, we are different. Say, I am different. But I'd rather be different and be like Jesus than just be plain different. And so I've learned over time that really uh, people talk about everybody. You know, it's not, you know, they just, people just talk. There's gossip and things. So the fact that you are talked about as a believer does not mean that you need to be influenced by what people say. We need to know who we are, and that's who we are. 
uh, faith in the blood of Jesus. That was our second uh, lesson. Matthew one twenty three. God with us, Emmanuel. That Jesus came to bring the life of God to us and to live in us. You know, not just up there in heaven somewhere, but really the life of God is in us. Uh, we talked about Romans 4.17, that we call those things that are not as though they are. Why? Because that's what God does. Who are we supposed to imitate? God. And that's what He does. Philippians 3.12, we talked about laying hold of the promises that God had provided for us in Romans 1.16 and 17. We talked about that the just shall live by faith. Faith in the blood of Jesus, not what we've done. And then last Wednesday night we talked about Jesus secured our right of redemption. And that um, I want to read to you um, this scripture, and I think you might have it, yes. Uh, but I'm going to look it up because I want to read to you the scripture just before it. Um, Jesus redeemed us from the curse. It says so in Galatians 3, we've been redeemed from the curse. But uh, Romans 3, um, I love this scripture because, and I didn't get to it last week, I just want to touch on it. You know, how many of you have been somewhere where they say there's none righteous? No, not one. They quote that Old Testament scripture. My sister was just telling me that a church she visited, you know, they were saying how none of us are really worthy of anything. But they go on and they say none of us are righteous. But they never preached the rest of the story. They say the rest of the story. Under Old Covenant, nobody was righteous. Because in verse 21 of Romans 3 it says, But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. In other words, you didn't have it with the law, but it's been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through... What's it say? Faith. Everybody say through faith. <laughs> through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Everybody say, I'm the righteousness of God. <laughs> through Christ Jesus. And it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And usually people stop. But there's a comma in my Bible. You check yours out. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, I've been redeemed. You know, what does that mean? You're not going to hell. You've been bought back from what was going to happen to you. Every person is born on the face of the earth unless they choose differently. It's not God's choice. It's our choice. Unless they choose differently, they're destined for hell. To choose Jesus is to escape hell. Everybody say, I'm not going to hell. No, we're going to heaven if we know Jesus. So uh, we talked about redemption, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Talked about the right of redemption in Jeremiah 32, 7. How even though Israel was going into captivity, God loved his people so much that he secured a place for them to return to so that they would have the land that he had promised originally. So if you want to get any of those CDs, they'll, uh, they're available. Actually, next Wednesday night we'll have the whole series that you can purchase and, and have for your own. Um, I believe it's a, a good uh, series to give to people that are maybe walking as a Christian but not having a lot of victory because I believe there's a lot of believers in the church today that nobody would want to follow. And Jesus said, follow me. And Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think that the church, uh, that, that people should be so excited about our lives that they can't wait to get what we have. And I know there's some people, before I was born again, when they got done with me, I didn't want anything that they had. Because they didn't have any joy. They weren't happy. You know what happens if you live under the law? You have no joy. 
the joy is released through the freedom. Everybody say freedom. That comes through a revelation of what Jesus has done for us. And everybody say, it takes covenant language to understand what God wants for us. See, it's covenant language. It's not the language of the world. Because there's too many times somebody will say, you know, I've got this pain and I don't know what I'm going to do. And the other day we were in Cracker Barrel, my husband prayed for a lady. Uh, she had also taken a pain pill. She came back later and she said, you know what, I'm better, but I don't know if it was the pain pill or what, what you did. And he said, I can guarantee it was what I did. <laughs> he was very bold. It was the prayer. Because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen? And so you have to have that kind of thought process. Well, today we're going to talk about the river of life. Uh, I love the song that Corey wrote because we do live by the river. It's in us. There's a river of life in us, and I'm going to show you. Would you turn with me to John 7:38, or you can look up on the screen. And I'm going to give you four scriptures that talk about the river of life. It says in John 7.38, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Everybody say, there's a river flowing in me. Now, you know, there's an old song that we used to sing um, a lot at Victory when I was first out there. And that's been, I hate to say this, but it's been... 25 years ago <laughs> that we started in ministry at Victor Christian Center but we sang this song there's a river of life flowing out of me makes the lame to walk and the blind to see opens prison doors sets the captives free there's a river of life flowing out of me spring up oh well remember that that's my favorite part Charles Hackett used to sing that over at first December and he'd really get going when we get that spring up, oh well, you know, away we go. You remember being over there? He used to sing that song, and there was another man that led the songs over there, and he'd really get into that song. Well, God wants that well to spring up out of the inside of us because when the rivers of living water start flowing, change starts happening on the inside of a believer. But if you never have the well, you know, you never let it up out of your belly, you just get fat, that's all. Could be what's wrong with a lot of us, amen? <laughs> Just need to let the river flow. And you won't have to worry about your tummy. Okay, John 4, 14. I'm not going to go there anymore. Okay, John 4, 14. Everybody say, but whoever drinks of the water. That's the question. Are you drinking of the water? That I shall give him will never thirst. You know who John, that Jesus is talking to, that woman at the well, that he's surprised to pieces when he told her about her life. But when she offered him a drink, he said to her that she should understand who he was. And if she did, then she would understand this. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Everybody say, there's a river of life inside me. See, it's not, you know, a lot of, a lot of Christians are waiting for something to happen to them. Everybody say, there's revelation in covenant language. There's a river of life. Everybody say, that's covenant language. God is trying to tell us something, but we have to understand it. You know, if you went up to the normal person and said, there's a river of life flowing through me. 
they say, well, <laughs> bless you, sister. I hope you understand what you got or whatever. I mean, they look at you like, right? Because see, everybody say that's covenant language. But is it there? Is it real? Did God intend for you to let it flow? Yes, he did. Okay, John 10.10. 10. We look at that scripture. The thief comes to, does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the way you know when you examine the evidence who's doing what. You know, as a believer, you look at the situation. If there's killing, if there's stealing, you know, then you know it's the thief. It's not God. You know, I've had many people say to me, well, you know, I don't know, maybe God just is letting this happen to me. Is this God? I just had this. Who? I can't remember who I was praying for. And they said, is this just a test? I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, in this temptation that this person's fallen into that's affected your life, you're going to walk through a test. But temptation is what started this mess. Everybody say, that's the devil. The Bible says God cannot be tempted. But God, God uses those things. It tests our faith. How many of you have been in situations that you were just the victim? But in that, you're not to fold. You're, it's, that'll be a, come a test for you. But it was not God who did or caused what you're facing. And see, too many people don't even understand this scripture because in many churches, we don't talk about the devil. We don't talk about the devil. You talk about the devil and everybody gets afraid. Well, if you're saved, what are you saved from if there's not something out there that could harm you? So, everybody say, the devil is wicked. And he's real. And he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Okay. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Well, how are you going to have that? You're going to have it because inside of each one of us, there's something that causes us to live above the circumstance, to live above the situation. What is it? It's the river of life that's in us. Ezekiel 47.9. Now, you're probably thinking, well, that's... I don't even know much about Ezekiel, neither do I, but I love this scripture right here. Ezekiel 47.9. And it talks about how there's a river that flows. It says there's a river that flows toward the eastern ridge and goes down into the valley and enters the sea. And when it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. This is uh, Ezekiel 47.9. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. Everybody say, the river's flowing. And it says, there will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. Is there a river in you? Is the river going in you? Yes. So, do you live by the river? Yeah, you live, you, you actually are in the river. I'm going to tell you at the end of the story tonight. I'm telling you the end before the beginning. But you're living in the river. You're in the river. Now, Jerry Seville has a tremendous video that if any of you have been through VBI, you might have seen it. But he tells the story of this woman who had a family that, you know, they all got in this boat and she was trying to, you know, get them all in the boat. Her sons and they were both uh, on drugs. Her husband was an alcoholic and he, he's, he pretends he's the woman and he's rowing this boat. And he, he keeps saying, you just have to row upstream all the time and then pretty soon you get weary sometimes and you just pick the oar up and the boat goes, mm, and you go right back down the way the world is going. Everybody say the way, the way the world is going. A Christian is always rowing their boat upstream. 
Have you ever said, I've, I've had enough? What have you had enough of? Resisting what the enemy is trying to bring against you to stop you from being all God wants you to be. But the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Well, so what are you going to do to get it stopped? Call Pastor, call Pastor Bill. Everybody say that doesn't help. Because now nothing wrong with calling Pastor Bill. Nothing wrong with calling me, calling John, Elizabeth, Lori, or Joe. You know, we've got Corey Allen. We've got a huge uh, number of people in this church. Many of you sit, sitting right out here can counsel people but I want to tell you inside of you is everything that you need mm -hmm. everybody say I've got it okay. you've got what you need and that's the good thing about being a Christian you're complete in Christ Jesus right. you know you don't have to get to church to get what you need now the Bible says don't forsake assembling yourselves together because when you come together it's just like any fire you throw enough logs on it it gets bigger and bigger and bigger so that's nice you know for us to come together and encourage one another but you are a complete package in Jesus Christ that's what's so important for young people even to understand today you don't have to be married you don't have to have a job you know you're complete I mean you need a job but you, that's not your source everybody say that's not my source my source is already in me Jesus is in me and it goes on you know in the scripture and it talks about in verse 12 of the same chapter along the bank of the river on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees and their fruit will not fail they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary everybody say the living water in me is flowing from the sanctuary I could tell you in the story but I'm not going to yet because it's so exciting I got so excited I got myself worked up today okay uh, let's turn to John 14 16 17 in the beginning when I talked to you about languages I said you know we in Mexico when I go the Spanish is just overwhelming because I don't understand Spanish but if you want to understand Spanish and Joanne uh, back here she's going to leave for Mexico right after the holidays she'll be there for 10 months about 10 months she's going to learn Spanish now why is she going there for 10 months because if she's immersed in Spanish she will learn Spanish but she's got to stay where people are speaking Spanish how many believers do you know that came to church started going the right direction but they didn't stay immersed with people who were speaking the same language how many days do you think it takes for somebody to fall away from that depends on how long they've been walking in it if they've been in it a week they're going to fall away a lot faster but there are people who've walked for years with the Lord and right now are not serving Jesus how many of you know a few people like that over the years they've gotten discouraged that's because they didn't let the river of life flow through them because God has put within you everything that you need to keep you strong I thank God for my husband. I thank God for this church. I thank God for the people who've taught me. But my strength is in the Lord. And, and that's why even David had to encourage himself in the Lord when everybody went wacko on him. How many of you ever had everybody that you were counting on not be there when you needed them? Everybody say, it's okay. Still got Jesus. Still have a river living on the inside of you. John 14, 16, and 17. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. Everybody say the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him and he dwells with you and will be in you. Everybody say, I've been immersed. 
Say, you are in the life of God. You, are, you have been consumed by the life of God on the inside, in your heart. We, we teach children, would you like to invite Jesus into your heart? Well, when we invite Jesus into our heart, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and He ever lives to make intercession for us. What really happens is the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our heart. The Holy Spirit of God. It's the third part of the Trinity. It's not Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's, it's a third person of the Trinity. And when that happens, it says in Hebrews 8.20 that your heart will be circumcised. Everybody say, my heart is circumcised. Now circumcision in the Old Covenant was uh, the cutting that was done to shed the blood that said you were part of the covenant. At, uh, in the mail only. But in, in the New Covenant, everybody say, there's circumcision of the heart. That would, that would indicate blood shed. Jesus comes into your heart and he takes up residence. And so now you are immersed in him. In other words, there's something on the inside of you that, you know, it's like you can take a bath in the river that's on the inside of you. I'm going to show you tonight, I, I believe that the, the covenant language that God has released to the church is one of the greatest ascensions that's in the church, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. And I'm going to show you tonight, uh, in this final one, covenant language, that God has given us a language, and, and, and I believe these scriptures will help you see it. Turn to 2 Corinthians 3.6. This chapter talks about the difference between the letter of the law and the power of grace, which is the covenant we're under. And um, we're going to look at it very quickly. We're going to go through it. But I, I'm going to start with uh, 2 Corinthians 3, and um, let's look at verse 6. And then I'm going to start in verse 4 reading. We have such trust through Christ, not uh, Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. New covenant. Not of the letter. What is he saying? Not of the old covenant. The, the old covenant is considered the letter of the law. But the spirit. Everybody say the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. The Holy Spirit lives in us and He gives us life. That's why Jesus said you will have life and have it more abundantly. He's saying you'll have more than the life that you understand. You're going to have something greater. It's going to be on the inside of you. It's life abundant. And it pushes against everything the enemy says. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we're in that new covenant where the Holy Spirit is moving. 2 Corinthians um, 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. There should be no reason any Christian is in bondage to anything. Everybody say, there's no reason. The only reason is that the enemy has blinded our eyes to know what we have. You know, like if... if if in the natural, I owned property somewhere that I didn't know about. Maybe it's a, a place on Longboat Key. That's where my husband likes to go to vacation. And maybe somehow he has property. He doesn't know it. Yeah. He, <laughs> well, you know what? If he doesn't, if he doesn't, if he doesn't know it, he's never going to go there. 
Does he own it? <laughs> does he own it? Yes, he does. You know, I mean, he, there may be a deed and there may be something. How many of you have read in the paper before where it says all these names of people that have unclaimed money? Have you ever seen that? You know, my name was in there once, but then you had to pay a bunch of money on the computer to find out what you had. I thought, no, nah, no, I'm not one born yesterday. I'm not doing that. God will get it to me if it's mine. But, you know, truly, there's, there's things that people haven't claimed, especially in the body of Christ. A lot of unclaimed merchandise. Why? Because we don't know. My husband said that earlier today. You can't remember what you don't know. And, and so, because of the Holy Spirit, everybody say the Spirit of Truth, that's that covenant we live in. He's going to show us those things that we have, the Holy Spirit, not, not, you know, the church doctrinal statement. You know, a lot of people just go by what the church tells them. We're, we're responsible to know what the Word of God tells us. And a lot of people are held in bondage all the way till the day they go to heaven. Why? Because they, they never read the book themselves. They let somebody else tell them what it said. Everybody say, the new covenant allows me to hear from God myself. See, so we have a responsibility to do that. Okay, um, let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to look at 3 through 6. Your up here will be just 6, but it says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind, listen to this, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Verse 6 says, For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, there's something we're supposed to have that God has shown the light on through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I know in my life, and you probably can say the same in yours, where I was when I got saved, which was in 1976 which will be 30 years here in a couple weeks, January 20. I'll be saved 30 years. Well, bless God, there's no age in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I'm only 30 years old. My husband's six years behind me. He's thrilled. Instead of him being older than me, I'm older than him. He just loves that. Yeah, I married an older woman, he says. But, you know, that's this. <laughs> but this is the truth. We have life and vitality. When God found me, the doctors said, we don't know if your mind's going to go first or your body. And I was 30. I'm 60, and I am totally healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They don't say that to me anymore. They took my bone age. It got better. It's supposed to be going downhill. They said, you need hormones. You're getting older. You need hormones. I said, I'm not taking those things. He said, well, we've got to do a bone scan on you. I said, go ahead. He said, your bone has increased since the last time we did that. He said, that doesn't ever happen. I said, well, hallelujah. It does to me. Because, because there's a river of life that's flowing through me. There's a river of life flowing through the body of Christ. But we don't act like we know there's a river of life. We've got to begin to live the new covenant that God has put us in. So then it says in verse 7, but we have this treasure. Everybody say, I got a treasure. In earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In verse 16 of 4 it says, therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Why? Because we live by the river. 
by the river. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at all the things which are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporary, subject to change, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Everybody say covenant language. You know, that would sound like garbly gook to most people. You know, I'm not looking at what you're looking at because, you know what, I don't live here. They'd say, you know, really, we're going to have to see about committing you somewhere. Because you do live where you live. Well, I live there, but I'm really not of this world. They'd say, that's, yeah, we're beginning to think that ourselves. Everybody say, that's the good news. We should not look like the world. We should not be the same. There should be definitely some evidence that would convict us of what we are, Christians. Christians. And so it says, we do not lose heart. Now, I want you to turn to Acts 1.8. God... God designed there to be a release of the river that's on the inside of every believer. We know when we're born again, the Bible says, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you because in Romans 8 it says, you will not know you're saved unless the Holy Spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a son or daughter of God. Everybody say, when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. No question. You do. That's what the, that's what the Word of God says. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus made this statement. And, you know, I'm not here tonight to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there's not enough time. I'm teaching on covenant. But I do believe that God provided a language for the church that's called covenant language. Now, I believe, you know, we've talked a lot of words that are covenant language. But this is the language that keeps you in communication with the Lord all the time. It's the communication, it's the language that releases the river of life. The Bible says it causes a refreshing. It says in Jude 20 that it will build you up in your most holy faith. Everybody say that's covenant language. Because covenant language says that we live by faith and not by sight. How many of you know it's not easy to live by faith when everything you see is not right? So what did God give you? He gave you a release on the inside of a language that will stir you up. How many of you ever start praying in tongues and all of a sudden you just, you know, you feel like, uh, remember the Hulk? <laughs> Do you remember the guy, the green guy? And, uh, you know, he'd finally get so irate at the, the, you know, he'd get so indignant. Usually it was why he would blow up and explode. And, uh, you know, it was indignation at somebody being treated wrongly. And he'd just blow up and be big. You know, you start praying in the Holy Ghost. What happens on the inside of you? I mean, you can feel like you're just really really strong, you know, until you run into that person and says, oh, you know, it's not working for you. And then you feel it starting to drain out of you. What do you do? Start praying in tongues again. There it comes. It's what Jesus said, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. He didn't say you shall receive power, and, and it's only because you're going to witness He said, you'll receive power, and in addition to that, you will be witnesses. You know, there's some people who say, well, you know, that was just the power to win people to Jesus. Well, I believe that was part of it, but but the whole thing was not that. 
The whole thing was not that. Look at Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 6. And when this sound occurred, the multitudes came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were speaking a language that everybody could understand. So some theologians say, well, see, tongues is, is just a language that other people understand. I believe that happens sometimes. We had to happen in the Navy Center once. Someone gave, stood up and gave a message in tongues, and a person stood up over here, and they really weren't given the interpretation. It was their language. And they, they, they said, this is what that person just said. I believe it happens like that. But there's more to it. Everybody say more to it. It was the release of a power. Why did Peter and John come into the, the temple after that day and say, such as I have? What were they saying? I've got something. What were they saying? I've got power. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now dwelling in me, so I have something to give. And what happens when you release the river of life? There's healing. We read it in Ezekiel. Everything that lives by the river is healed. So the whole church should be healed. Let's look at... Um, I don't have time to go there tonight, so I'll just tell you. It's Acts 19.6. It's a story of Paul. He went into, I believe, it was... Uh, Corinth, yeah. And he, no, to Ephesus. And when he got to Ephesus, he said to the people, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as ever heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into the John's baptism. What would that mean? Water baptism. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying that people, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Everybody say, that's the river. That's the river. There's a river of life in every believer. Every believer. Do you have to pray in tongues? No. You get to. It's, it's, it's a language that God gave you. Now, you know, you say, well, I don't know if I believe. You do, you do not have to pray in tongues. Nobody has to pray in tongues. I'm glad. I'm like Paul. I'm glad I pray in tongues. He said, I pray with my understanding and I pray in the Spirit. I sing with my understanding and I sing with the Spirit. I figure if the guy that wrote, what, two-thirds of the New Testament did all of that, I'm going to be right there doing it with him. Because it must be necessary. I don't believe it passed away. I believe it's the language that God gave the church, and I believe the devil hates it. He hates the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He hates people praying in tongues. Why? Because when everybody starts praying in tongues, they'll all hear the same thing. And what was it in the Tower of Babel? Genesis chapter 11. What did God say about when everybody speaks the same language? That what did God say? Now this one was for evil, but what did God say? The Lord said in 11.6, Indeed the people are one, and they all have one language. Are we all one in the body of Christ? Yeah, we are. I mean, we may have different denominational affiliations, but we are one 
because we belong to Jesus. It talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. But he goes on to say they're, they're one people and they all have one language and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Why? Because they're all speaking the same language. What did God give the church? A language. And who's under whose control is it? The Holy Spirit. When you begin to pray in tongues, your mind shuts down. You're under the control of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the river of life starts flowing. The river of life begins to flow. Now, Ephesians 4.3 says that we're all, you know, to um, live... Really, we're supposed to walk in the unity of the Spirit. Everybody say, walk in the unity of the Spirit. And, and you know, in the church, how hard is that? It's very hard sometimes because we judge each other based on the way we do things, the way we act, the way we talk. But, but God says that we're to, we're to walk in the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When you begin to pray in tongues, there is a peace. Do you remember when Jesus said, he said it in John 14, 27. At the end of the whole statement about receiving the Holy Spirit, he said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. See, when, when you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to flow through your life, there's a peace that comes into your life. I know this is true. When I was alone in the early well, 1979, the Lord began to tell me after I'd finally gotten free from a lot of things that the Lord delivered me from. He said, whenever you're in your car, pray in the Spirit. Well, how many of you know if you have young people in your family or in your car a lot? Especially a mom. You're like the taxi cab driver of the year. And so I was in my car a lot. And that's what I did. I prayed in the Holy Ghost all the time in my car. When I'd take the kids somewhere, I'd be on my way home, I'd pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. I thought, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, back then, I didn't know what I was doing. But something was happening. My life was changing. How was that happening? Because the river of life was being released. And it was working in my life. It was the language that brought heaven to me. And me to heaven. It's the language that God understood. And it was a language that my spirit could bear witness with God. It changed me. changed me forever. It changes every believer. That's why God gave it to us. And in the body of Christ, I know many churches that were very charismatic, very Pentecostal, that if you say to them, do you pray in tongues? They say, ah, yeah, I know how, but I don't use it. Everybody say, so much for the victory. Because the victory is not in the natural realm. It's in the spiritual realm. There's a power that God's given the church. Second uh, Timothy 1.6 says, um, Stir up the gift. And it says that was uh, given to you by the laying on of hands. By the laying on of hands. And uh, sometimes, you know, people don't maybe what people laying hands on him. But what he was saying was, Paul, somebody laid hands on you and released a river of life into you. And then he goes on and says, for God did not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Everybody say, that's in the river. That's in the river. Now, this is the thing that God showed me today because I, I, I didn't know exactly how I would end this. But I love this story. It's in John 5. 
and uh, we're, we're almost to the end. John 5, if you'll turn with me there, it's the story of Bethesda. And um, Joyce Meyer taught on this when I was in Annapolis. I heard her teach on this, <laughs> about this guy. Do you all know this story? This guy who lay by this pool forever, you know, and he still wasn't healed because the stirring of the water, he never got there. And she said, but in that many years, I'd have rolled myself all the way down to there. And the minute that thing stirred, I'd have just fallen into the water, you know. But because she was talking about, did he really want to be healed? But in 5, uh, 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, lying, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Don't wait for the moving of the water. It's moving. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Do you know the name Bethesda means place of outpouring or house of grace? <laughs> I want to tell you, God has put in us the pool. And many of us, many of the body of Christ are laying by the pool <laughs> saying, now, as soon as I get to a meeting where somebody stirs up the Holy Ghost, I am going to get it. <laughs> you know, I'm fixing to go to a Benny Hinn meeting. Now, nothing wrong with the Benny Hinn meeting. But what if you can't get to Benny Hinn? You know, what if the ice storm comes and you can't get out of your house? What you going to do? Stir up the gift. See, the stirring of the waters. How do you stir the waters? How do you stir the pool? This is what the Lord said to me. New covenant people live in the house of grace and the rivers of living water are flowing. You are at Bethesda. I am at Bethesda. I live there. I don't live by the pool. I live in the pool. In the pool. So whatever I need, I just start stirring up the waters. How do I stir up the waters? I stir up that gift that God put on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit is a gift to the church. No, it's, not, it's not like anybody has to take it, but it is a gift. It's a free gift. Now, I'm not talking about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's a whole other teaching. You know, it, it's still the same Spirit that gives all of it. But that's not what God... This is a personal gift to every believer. It's called a prayer language. Everybody say prayer language. And God has released it into the church. And anybody just like salvation, it says in John chapter 1, to as many as received, to them he made them sons of God. Too many as received. Everybody say received. So all we have to do is say, Lord, I receive it. I receive it. You know, the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something everybody in the body of Christ ought to say, give it to me, God. Because I want that river to begin to flow in my life. Let's stand together tonight. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. That you have made provision for the church. You have given us a covenant language. You have released within us the river of life. The same river that this poor man lay there for years waiting for someone. Waiting for someone to help him. Many years he laid by that pool. And he said, before I can get up, somebody else gets it. Lord, I thank you that you have made it possible for the church. Through Jesus. Through Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus. Through his coming into this earth. 
and giving his life for us. You have made it possible for us to live. We are the house of grace. We, we are the place of your outpouring. The Holy Spirit has been poured out in our hearts. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. It says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It says that faith works by love. So we walk by faith and not by sight because there's a river of love that's on the inside of us. A river. A river of peace and joy, all the fruit of the Spirit. There's a river that transports the gifts of the Spirit through the body of Christ. I thank you tonight, Lord, that we will not be ignorant of the things that we have received. It says, forget not all my benefits. The benefits of knowing you. I thank you for every person here tonight, Lord. You may be here tonight and you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, but you'd like to. Open your mouth and God will fill it. Just tell him, I want to pray. I want to receive the prayer language that will change my life. That will help me when I don't know what to do. Romans chapter 8 says, The Holy Spirit helps us pray when we don't know how to pray. Why? Because he prays in a language that communicates with God. It changed our lives. If you're here tonight and you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, you don't pray in tongues, but you'd like to. Could I see your hands? Anybody? Okay. If you come up here, we'll pray with you. Thank you, Jesus.